my friend Pastor Kerry has uh, pastor churches in Kansas and uh, Virginia and Ohio, and him and his lovely wife, uh, Lord, have seven children, and uh, he's going to come, and God has placed this message upon his heart for us this morning, so I want you to welcome my brother. Well, my name is Kerry Michael, and I'm a sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. I'm a sinner saved by grace grace, the very grace that we just um, sung about. God's amazing. God's good. God's in this place, too. Like Pastor Steve said, we had a great first service, and I'm believing God for uh, even greater this service. A little bit about uh, me. I grew up in Terre Haute, just right up the road from you guys, not far. Um, at an early age, I got um, lured into the things of the world, enticed, the Bible says, into the stuff of the world. My mother's from Sullivan, grandparents from Sullivan, the pools, Rex Pool, Florence Pool, my grandparents, my mother was Karen Sue Pool. For those of you maybe that know her or them, my parents were married here. And as a youngster, my mother was our spiritual leader, and she would take us from Terre Haute. We'd make a truck. We were on the east side of Terre Haute to Sullivan, a Christian church over here that's still over here. And I see they bought more ground and built a youth thing. It looks like they're doing some good. But that's where I, I grew up, went to church, right over here. Most Sundays we'd come and used to love coming to church as a kid, but then the stuff of the world started looking real good and I started fussing when it came Saturday nights or Sunday morning. I wanted to come less and less and less. And then uh, in... 1978, I was a junior in high school at Terre Haute South. My father took a job in Dallas, Texas. He was in the oil and gas business. and He thought it would be good to make a move. They could get a new house and he could get me away from friends and some of the mess that I was involved with. I was, I was living a double life. I played baseball. I was an athlete, but I was also fooling over here and things in the world. It was just a mess and it was causing problems in our family. So he took the job and what he they really didn't take into account what I was into in Terre Haute, Indiana was 60,000 people. I found a whole lot more than 2 million people in Dallas, Texas. And I went from a little bit into the world to way out into the world. At the age of 35 in a broken, broken, broken mess, God reached into my life and saved me from me, is what I say. He saved me from me. I was a ball of destruction to me and all everybody around me. And from that time on, he saved me, but he's given me a whole new direction, a whole new life. And for me to be standing here today, I told the first service, it's just a miracle. For a guy like me, the mess I was living, the life I was living, 20 years later in Sullivan, Indiana, preaching in this old theater that I remember as a kid. We used to go to the newsstand. It was our favorite place after church. My grandfather would make fried chicken and he didn't go to church, but he had meals waiting for us, and I love coming to Solomon. I love Solomon. Solomon's got a special place in my heart. So I'm honored to be here today and thankful uh, to be here. And I believe that, that I do have a message that's of the Lord, not of me. I told Pastor Steve, Pastor Eddie, I guess I had these dates um, maybe a month ago to preach, and um, three weeks ago I thought I had the message all down. I told Pastor Steve in between the services, 
I had the PowerPoint presentation to send in. Um, I had piles and piles of paper. I usually start with handwritten and then I go to the computer. And I had a stack of stuff. I thought I knew what I was doing. And Pastor Steve sent me a book about two weeks ago. Messed me all up. <laughs> Messed me up. <laughs> I opened up the book. I was sitting there on the couch and we were watching a football game or something. I was just killing time. And I mean, it was the next day. He's got that Amazon Prime thing going. I mean, there was a knock at the door and I'm, my feet are up. And here comes the UPS truck. I opened the book up and I opened the table of contents and there was this one chapter. And it was something to do with the main thing and, and a key point in your sermon. And I closed it up. I was like, I don't want to read this right now because I had it all worked out, what I was going to do, right? And then I, I, I think I told one of the kids, go put it on the desk. And then 20 minutes later, the Holy Spirit's like, you need to go back and look at that. I asked him to go back and get it. I sat there, opened it up. I read this chapter and then I read another one. And that night I was restless. I woke up the next morning. I looked at my sermon and I said, I've got about four sermons in one. And God took the one out of the four sermons. And this is the one that he wants me to preach today. It's called The Gospel that leads to salvation. The gospel that leads to salvation. Jesus in, in one of, uh, in the gospel of Mark, the last thing that he said to them, there's, you know, there's the account, we hear the great commission of Matthew and, 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 and the different people have different messages, different things they emphasize. Mark's Last words that he recorded that Jesus said was to, Jesus told him to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Those of you will remember that. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Then Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.2 says, by this gospel you are saved. So this thing called the gospel has great significance for you and for I, for all of us. Amen? We're told to go into the world and preach the gospel. That's not just Pastor Steve or Pastor Eddie or somebody with a certain title. That's all of us, just like the, the men digging and helping with the tree. We're all supposed to go into the world and preach the gospel. By this gospel, you're saved. If, if we took a poll in this place and, and, and there was, you know, we, we were able to sit around and, and just have a share time, if I said, what's the gospel? We probably get a variance of a lot of things, a lot of things, depending on your background, depending on maybe what denomination of a church you were around, probably a whole host of things. Today, I want to give you what the Bible says that the gospel is, and I want to do it in a way that, that my 11-year-old can understand, or somebody that's in their 70s or 60s, not to be clever and try to trick you, but we want it in a way that you can understand it. There's two key elements when it comes to the gospel that is um, important to grasp and understand. The first one is this. Man is a sinner and he's separated from God. Very, very key, very fundamental, it's the very starting place to the gospel is to understand that man is a sinner and he's separated from God. Everyone in this room, all of us, have lied, stolen something, looked at someone lustfully, 
and on and on and on. We've done something that's not pleasing to God, and God calls that sin. And because of this sin, we're separated from God. Here's man, and here's holy God, and we have this barrier between us. This barrier is called sin. Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. David, in his mess in Psalms 51, says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So Paul says we're a sinner, sinner, and we've all sinned, but David says it all started when we were youngsters, when we were kids. And I know it's the case for me. I, I shared in the first service, we, we have seven children, my wife and I. She doesn't look like she's given birth to seven children, amen? But she has, and I thank God for it and for her. But we have them from two to eleven and all in between. And it starts on the changing table. I told, I told the first service, about six months, nine months. You can see this sin, right? So some of you are smiling. You grandparents know what I'm talking about. Put a little guy on the changing table, a little girl, and man, they're fussing and squealing and they're all over the place, right? And then it goes for the other things. About 18 months, you put them in a room or take them to nursery. Pastor Chris and the people up there know all about it. Put the balls out and five little kids. And man, it's all in there. It's my ball. It's my this, my that. That's how we start. We start as sinners. And it starts when we're young. And then it gets bigger things and bigger things. It's my house, my car, my TV, my golf clubs, whatever, my truck. We're all sinners. Sin is nothing more than just us being selfish, wanting what we want. That's really what it is. We want what we want, and we want it now, right? We're all sin. There's nobody in this place that has not sinned. In fact, if we went up and down the churches here, we went to Terre Haute, we went all through the, the place, you walk into churches today, and we've been in a lot of them. Pastor Eddie, he's out greeting people and sharing with people. By the way, I think Pastor Eddie's greatest strength is, is his ability to shepherd. He's the great shepherd of this flock. I told him that three weeks ago before we went on vacation. He does wonderful sermons, and oh my goodness, the stuff that he puts in his sermons, I don't know where he gets it from, but you know, he's got PowerPoints and quotes and stuff. He must spend days and hours and weeks on them. But I think the greatest thing for Pastor Eddie is he's a wonderful shepherd. He loves you people. He loves people, and he goes out of his way, every service, he goes out of his way to make all of you feel welcome and greeted. Amen? He does. He'll find his way. He'll find time. He's out there in the streets. He's got these headsets on. I'm like, how in the world is he doing all that? After the first service, I wanted to get out and be alone, and I did. I went out here, and I just walked up and down to say, thank you, God. Help me, God. But not Pastor Eddie. He's out there still greeting and still shaking hands. He's a wonderful shepherd. But as, as he's shaking hands and he's greeting people, he's always asking, how you doing? He's patting you, he's hugging you and all this. When the truth of the matter, a lot of people will come in places like this, we smell good, we're all dressed up, and we don't always tell the truth, do we? We come in and we say, everything's just fine. I'm doing good. But I know in a crowd like this, of this size, not everybody's doing good. And we're sinners, and we have issues, and we need a Savior. The second step is that we, by this sin that we're separated from God, 
is that Jesus Christ, in His great love for us, sent His Son, I'm sorry, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. The solution to man's sins problem is in the person of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates His love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we're separated from God because of sin. And God, in His great love for us, sent His Son, Jesus, to die. Because of that death on the cross, it provided a way. It bridged the gap that was separated by sin, but now there's a way for us to get from sinful man to a holy God. Amen? Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, Father God, except through me. There's only one way for us to get sinful man to holy God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the only way. There's a lot of other people out there who tell you there's a whole lot of other ways. That's not what this Bible says. The only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. Not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but he also was resurrected. He was raised from the dead. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. So on the cross, he overcame sin. The sins that we committed, we can have forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he overcame death when he was raised from the dead, that we too can have eternal life and live with him. Amen? That's the gospel. That's a simple gospel. There's nothing more. There's nothing less to it. Some people would add, and I said this, and I've, I've sat around with pastors, and some will say you need to add the virgin birth in there. Some of you might feel like that. Jesus was born of a virgin. That is important. But the Bible says that the plain, basic gospel is that we were sinners. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was raised on the third day. That's the good news. That is the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. So we're sinners. The solution to sin is Jesus Christ. So the question becomes, how do I experience, you and I, how do we receive salvation through this gospel? In your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, there's six things that are put in there. If you have a bulletin, you might want to fill them in. Maybe you're not sure yourself what's involved or Pastor Steve said it so um, truthfully about praying for our family members. I'm certain if we took a poll in here, we've got family members that don't know Christ. And we need to know as Christians how to share the gospel, to be able to tell somebody how they can be saved. Just this week, I'm going to digress just a minute. In, in preparation for this, uh, we homeschool our seven children. I actually do it right now. My wife works at Indiana State, the athletic department. We thank God for that. Part of what we do every morning after breakfast is we encourage, I encourage the children, they go get time with the Lord like mom and dad do. We eat breakfast and they all go. They all got different places they go. So we got seven and we're in a little tiny duplex. Some of them are out on the front porch, some are on the patios, we're in the bathrooms. They got a place they go to. And this week when we were coming together, we were talking um, 
about a message that I heard, and we were talking had to do with the heart. We talk a lot about the heart in our family. And it kind of went from the heart to this message uh, that I was going to speak about today. And my nine-year-old daughter, Hannah, who's upstairs, going to be ten soon, through this process and through this message, she saw her need for Jesus in a way that she never had. Now, I've baptized Hannah. Hannah has prayed prayers before. All of my children almost have prayed a little prayer. I've baptized. I've baptized my wife. I've baptized about my whole family. But not always, you know, do we have this understanding, and especially with children and young people. I think I've done it myself. I've done youth things, and it's real easy to get a hundred youth together, and you can ask them to raise a hand who wants to follow Jesus, but they really don't understand their need for Jesus and this, that they've got a sin problem. But in preparation for this week's message, my daughter saw her need for Jesus, and I thank God so much for it. The six things that, 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 that need to be involved, and, 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 and this is not a legalistic thing, and it doesn't have to be in this order, but there's six things that are involved in, in the salvation process. The first thing is you've got to admit that you're a sinner. That's the starting place. You've got to admit you come to a place in your life, you understand that you're a sinner. For me, it was 1997. I knew that I was a sinner. And I had somebody ask me, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And there was no question. I knew there was a heaven, and I knew there was a hell. And I knew the way I was living, I knew where I was going. And it wasn't heaven. We're all sinners. The starting place is, you've got to admit, you've got to come to a place that I am a sinner. The second thing is you've got to accept. Salvation is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You could never give enough money. You couldn't come to church enough. You couldn't clean this building enough. There's nothing you could do to earn your way to heaven. Nothing. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. We're sinners. And God, in His great love for us, gave us this free gift of salvation. You have to accept it. The third thing is that you've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. A lot of people say, well, He was just a prophet. Or He was this, or a priest, or a king. He was all of those. But He, was, he is the Son of God. Jesus is deity. Amen? Amen? He, 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 he is deity. He was God's Son. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus is the Son of God. The fourth thing is that Jesus um, was resurrected. You must believe that He was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. He was bodily raised. I started to Add that to this. He was bodily raised. There's some people out there that believe different things, but Jesus Christ was bodily raised from the dead. The fifth thing is that you've got to do, there's got to be a time and a place where you say, I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God, and you've got to understand my need for a Savior, and you've got to confess your sins. 
Pastor Steve mentioned this earlier. There's got to be a time and a place. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that you're the Savior. I believe that you're the ones. I believe you're the way to God. I believe that you can forgive me of my sins. And I'm going to confess my sins to you. Not to Allah, not to Buddha, not to wherever, but to Jesus Christ. Amen? 1 John 1.9 says if we confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He says that he'll take our sins and he'll take them as far as the east is from the west. Amen? And he also says, not as the east from the west, but he says, I'm going to remember your sins no more. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Listen, guys, I was a mess. I was out there. I had done a lot of things. I do prison ministry. I love prison ministry. But the only difference I tell those guys between them on the inside and me on the outside, I didn't get caught. I didn't get caught. I deserve to be in prison today for a lot of the mess that I did. He took all that mess and washed it all clean. He gave me a whole new life. Amen? And he can do the same for you. The final thing is, and, and, I, and I, 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 I'm going to use a crazy thing. I'm not clever like Pastor Eddie. He's got all this slicked up stuff. I'm going to say that this is where the rubber meets the road. You ever use that one, brother? This is where the rubber meets the road. You know you're a sinner. You believe Jesus Christ is the way to God. You confess your sins, but there's got to be repentance. Amen? You've got to repent. We're going this way. We're living this way. You understand you're a sinner. You start, your eyes are open, your heart's open like Pastor Steve. You said, oh, there's someone that can get me there. There's someone that can wash me. That person's Jesus Christ. And I want to turn to Jesus and I want to start living for him. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn and go this direction. That's what repentance is. You come to a time in your place and you say, man, I'm tired of doing things my way. I've made a mess of it my way and I'm going to go this way. I'm going to give you, God, the keys to my heart. You're going to drive my ship. You're going to drive my boat where you say to go. If you say to go to dusty Kansas, I'm going to go. If you say to go to the mountains of Ohio, I'm going to go. If you say to come to Sullivan, Indiana and preach the gospel, I'm going to go. Amen? Man's a sinner separated from God. Luke 13, 3 says that you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Two weeks ago, Griff, that was, that was I said this early and I believe it. For me, we've been coming here off and on since February. We were kind of in communication with the church. I was looking for a pastor in Terre Haute. And I told Pastor Eddie, I said, I feel like I've got to go this route and just i got to go through this thing. And we went through it and God said, no, that's not for you. So we're back here. And I think for us, two weeks ago was probably the greatest service we have been part of and seen here. That thing between Griff and Pastor Steve and the whole dialogue that took place and seeing this young man stand up for Christ at now the age of 17 was about the most beautiful thing that I've seen. It was beautiful. He came to a place, I don't know all the things, but I heard the bits and pieces. He obviously, these same kind of things that may didn't happen in ABC form, but obviously these things took place. He saw his need. He was a sinner and his need for a Savior. And he kind of went through these steps. And he stood tall in front of all of you in this place. 
young man, 17 years old, stood up like a man amongst men in this place. And he needs our prayers. God's going to do some great things in that young man's life. Sister Stacy, can you come and help me out? Earlier, we had to find her. She was gone in the first service, and people were texting her, and I don't know what she was doing. But she said, I'm on cue this time. I want to share a, a story that's close to home for me. I shared a little bit about my situation of a messed up mess, still a mess, but now i got Jesus, so I'm a different kind of a mess. My wife, I grew up in a home that we probably consider a Christian home. They went to church often. She, she went to a Christian school as a youngster. And when I met my wife, she had this parallel Bible with King James and I think NIV. And man, this Bible was tattered and torn. My wife knows the Bible a hundred times better than I do. I've studied six years of seminary and I still don't know half of what she, she knows. We got married in 1999. I got saved in 97, Dallas, Texas. God brought her. She was from southern New Jersey as a live-in nanny for a doctor in Dallas. I met her at Sunday night church service, Prestonwood Baptist Church, wonderful church, 20-some thousand people. And Sunday night church service, somebody introduced me to her. Soon after that, we were in kind of the same groups of people. And I don't know, God opened my eyes up. And I said, surely, Lord, not me. I'm, I'm, I've got too much stuff in my life. He said, no, she's the one. We got married December 1999. I was only a Christian for two years. and I thought I was ready, but boy, was I wrong. You see, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We went to church, but my home was anything but Christian. There was all kinds of mess in my house. And I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to be a husband, a godly husband. I didn't know. And I made a mess of things the first five years, man. I made a real mess. Soon after we were married, my wife, from a distance, I saw she was seeking God. She was in a little group with these godly women, and she was studying the Bible. I heard her pray. We got married. But after that, when we started living together, I could tell there were some things that were out of whack. And she doubted her salvation. She wasn't sure if she was saved. And this went on for a few years. There'd be periods of times. I mean, we were down on the floor praying crying. Maybe six months ago by, and it was just kind of up and down. In 2004, God got a hold of my heart about my vocation. He said, I wanted more from you. So I sought counsel and some pastors in Dallas. They didn't know each other, and their, their counsel was to go to seminary. And I was like, you got to be kidding. I'm 43 years old. I go study. I didn't have a bachelor's degree. They assumed I had a bachelor's degree. I didn't even have a bachelor's degree. So, 2004, we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia to go to school. In 2005, at Liberty University, where I went to seminary and school, Dr. Jerry Falwell was alive then, and he had this conference called Super Conference. And just like everything else Liberty does, I know there's a lot of opinions about him, but I understand. I get it. One thing about Dr. Fall, when they still do, is they do everything with excellence. If you go to Liberty University today, it's an excellent school. 
excellent, the campus, everything. Thomas Road Baptist Church is alive. The sons have taken over. One's over the college. One's over the church. But he had this conference, super conference, and, and the speakers, the headline speakers that year in 2005 were Tim LaHaye, Charles Stanley, and Franklin Graham. It didn't get much bigger than that, especially in 2005. On the third night, Franklin Graham was the speaker, and um, he shared his testimony about growing up in the Graham family and how it was until he was in college that God really got a hold of his heart and how here he is in the Billy Graham family. He had at his disposal everything, <laughs> the finest of this, the Bibles of this, and he had it all, but he still didn't surrender his life and repent and turn like we're talking about until he was in college. At the end of his message, just like all the Graham family, if you go to anything they're involved with or listen to them, they're going to share the gospel. He shared the gospel at the end of this message. And during the invitation, we were in the, it's called the Vine Center. It's like the Holman Center. It's where they play basketball at Liberty. And we were all the way in the back. The stage is furthest from where we were, the very top of this place. And I bow my head and I start to pray, just like I do in here or wherever when the invitation's given. And I'm starting to pray for souls. I'm bent over in my chair. My wife taps me on the shoulder. And she says, I've got to go. And all the way from that back of that vine center, down the steps, across the floor, at a pastor's leaders conference now, my wife's the first one the altar. And there was this thing that took place. I finally made my way down there after the music and everything stopped. And there was only a few people. I guess the hard hearts and pride kept others because they were in this place there should have been more and more and more and more. But I guess because they're pastors and leaders, we're, we're prideful. We're not going to go. But my wife went. And there was this thing between these counselors, these two ladies. And one says, oh, she's saved. And the other one says, no, she's not. And this thing went on, and it was back and forth, and I was just kind of standing in the background watching it. And all of a sudden, my wife just kind of separated these ladies. And she raised her hands to God, and she cried out to God. She said, God, I'm a sinner. And I want to be born again, but it wasn't like that. It's like, Lord, I want to be born again. Tears were flowing. It was the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And i got to tell you, from that time on, my marriage and everything else changed. In fact, the very next time, this is real personal, guys, but it's okay. Pastor Eddie gets personal. The very next time my wife and I came together as a husband and wife, we didn't have any children then. I said we have seven now. The very next time after that, she could see, she, God developed our oldest son, Joshua, the very next time we could trace it because God, we got things right and God had been holding out. In fact, we were talking about uh, uh, foster care and these other things as we wanted children the very next time. That night we went home after this wonderful thing happened and it was just her and I, we sat up at this little, we were in a little duplex. We had, we didn't have any furniture. People gave us what we had, this rickety little table. Her and I just sat there. She says, I want to show you something. She went and got her Bible 
And she showed me in her Bible all these little ripped up pieces of paper were stuffed everywhere in there. All these different scriptures where God had been dealing with her about her salvation. She said she was on the way one day to work from Lynchburg to Charlottesville. It's a beautiful drive up through the mountains. It's absolutely gorgeous there. She said she was on her way one day of work, and she heard this message by Pastor Symbol of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, who we, we just think is the, the absolute, we love him. We love that ministry. The message was called The Iniquity of Sin. And on that ride, she said that things, the Spirit of God was so overwhelming to her that she had to pull the car over. First time in her life, she saw herself as a sinner separated from God. Now, remember I told you she grew up and went to church. She'd been baptized. She prayed a little prayer. But here she is in her early 30s, says, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Today... Maybe there's some of you in here that fall in that same category. Maybe you're not sure. And maybe things are like this, like our marriage were just kind of up and down and up and down. Maybe you prayed a little prayer. Maybe you were baptized, walked an aisle. But you've never really confessed your sins and given your heart to God and turned and repented to Him like we just talked about. Maybe there's some of you that have confessed your sins, that have repented, that have turned to God, that you believe the Holy Spirit lives within you, and you know there's a time in your life where you were close to God, you were serving God, you were living for God, but things of the world have gotten in the way. You're not where you used to be. You've drifted away. Today we're going to have an invitation. It's a little different than what you're used to. But we're going to have a time of invitation for you guys to respond. If you've never come to a place in your life where you've seen yourself as a sinner, understood that Jesus is the way, He's the only one that can wash your sins. And that you haven't confessed your sins and turned to Him and given Him control of your life if you haven't done that today. I'm going to ask you today, if you want to know that you know that you know, not like my wife tossed around, or like I was asked, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? If you're not sure... Today's the day for salvation for you. August 27th, 2017 can be your day, your birthday, like we celebrated, Pastor, your spiritual birthday. If that's you and you want to turn to Jesus today, repent, confess your sins, I want to ask you, wherever you are, in the balcony, in the back, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. Not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything foolish, I promise you. To stand. If you're not sure, if you died today where you would spend eternity, you've heard the gospel. It doesn't get much clearer than what you just heard. If there's anyone here says, that's me. 
It'd be easy to raise our hands. Like this young man, Griff, he didn't just raise his hand. He stood tall. There's one. Thank you, brother. It'd be easy. The Bible says that if you acknowledge me before men, Jesus says this, I'm going to acknowledge you before my Father who's in heaven. There's something about coming together here as a group and standing and saying, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. There's another one. Balcony, the back, there's another one. I'm a sinner and I need Savior. I need saved. And I believe that Savior is Jesus Christ. Here's more. Here's more. We're not going to rush this, guys. This is the most important time. Here's more. Praise God. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I know. We drove past the cemetery from Terre Haute today. Just as you get inside, I guess it's Shelburne here. And I looked over and I told Jacob that rode with me. I had one little son says, I want to get up and go to church early. He came the first service. I said, it's too late. By the time they get there, it's too late for them. It's not too late for you today. It's not too late. Here's more. Praise God. Today I want to confess my sins and I want to turn to Jesus. Or I've been away from God. I haven't been living for God. And I want to turn back. I want to be hot for Jesus. The Bible says if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. He said, I want you either hot or cold. I want to live for Jesus. Any others? Young, old? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm in. You can go away from here today, sure. Those of you that are standing, I'm going to ask you to do something. This praise team, the band, they're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar right here and stand. Those of you that are standing, just make your way here. And I want to pray for you. Just come now. We're going to take our time. The rest of you just be in a spirit of prayer for these people and rejoice and thank God. Can we give God a hand clap for what he's doing here for these people that are coming here? Just come. If you didn't stand and you know if God's tugging on your heart right now, I need to go, then come. 